0: Making it to 10 years in business is no easy feat. But today's guest has done just that. As a matter of fact, they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of their business on the day of recording of this podcast. And our guest is none other than Nathaniel Bibby of Bibby Consulting Group. Now Nathaniel, over the past 10 years, has generated over $400 million for his clients. He's going to take us on the roller coaster ride of the expansion and contraction of his organization over the past 10 years and how they became an award-winning firm for the use of LinkedIn in social media, and why they're also recognized as the top 20 LinkedIn experts in 2019. So sit back, get out your notepads, and be prepared to have a great listen to Nathaniel Bibbizzi shares with us the journey and evolution of himself and Consulting Group. Welcome to the Evolution of Business podcast. Business is a series of evolutions. This podcast explores how to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of the people you choose to serve. It will look for the lessons and the failures of the past and share the success of those getting it right today. What is the next evolution of your business? Now, here's your host, Dave Clare. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution of Business show. I'm your host, Dave Clare. Uh, and today's guest, we have none other than Nathaniel Bibby, uh, and really looking forward to uh, chat with Nathaniel uh, about his business, and uh, he's got a big, big celebration he's going to share with us, I'm sure, today. But Nathaniel Bibby, he's the managing director of Bibby Consulting Group, a global digital marketing consulting firm which has built a reputation of delivering cutting-edge strategies, including Australia's first LinkedIn lead generation service. So, I'm sure we're going to learn more about that as well. But Bibi Consulting have generated over 400 million in sales for their clients using LinkedIn strategies alone. Uh, Nathaniel actually won the best use of LinkedIn at the Social Media Marketing Awards in 2019. Uh, and Nathaniel now hosts his own show, actually, LinkedIn Heroes, uh, featuring interviews with entrepreneurs like Grant Cardone, Jules Lund. Uh, Kerwin Ray, Jack DeLosa, Elaine Cardone, uh, Steven, uh, sorry, Stephanie Rice, and Dr. John D. Martini. So he's, he's rubbed shoulders with some of the biggest names in the industry. Uh, but also, Nat is actually the Social Media Marketing Institute had recently ranked him number one on their top 20 LinkedIn experts in Asia Pacific for 2019. So it is an absolute pleasure to have uh, Nathaniel Bibby here on the show. Nat, welcome to the Evolution of Business Showmate. I am pumped to be here. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, I've been looking forward to uh, catching up with you. You and I have been dialoguing once again through LinkedIn, as I have with many people over a while. Um, And, uh, you know, we're we're trying to catch up, have a coffee. This is pre-COVID or pre-pandemic. And it was was just we couldn't get our schedules to collide uh, serendipitously at the same time to grab that coffee together. So I actually had to come along to one of your events just to say good (laughs) day and meet you. So... Made a, and it was an absolute uh, cracker of an event. Uh, our uh, mutual friend Shil Shanghavi was, uh, I think he was the your, uh, MC uh, yeah. for that event, and it was great to catch up and learn more about uh, you know, the work that you're doing in this space. I've heard about this mysterious Nathaniel Bibby, who's the LinkedIn guru, and um, yeah, and it was really great just to go and see uh, the cool work you're doing. So, I mean, it's, a, it's a privilege to have you on the Evolution of Business Show.
1: I'm so pumped to be here. Um, I'm particularly excited today. I've got a bit of a spring in my step because uh, I only realized a few days ago, 10 years ago, as of today, when we're recording this, yes. uh, is when I registered my business. So um, yeah, It's a big they...
0: virtual, a round of applause. Everyone's listening, they're cheering, they're shouting. <laughs> 10 years. I mean, that's a major accomplishment. 10 years since you registered Bibi Consulting Group. Uh, yeah. Well, I always
1: say, I always tell people, I know 2% of companies make it to 10 years. And I, I don't know if that statistic, how accurate that statistic is, but I know it's not very many. Um, yeah.
0: So to actually get it myself is a, is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I'm very stoked. Yeah, mate, and it's exciting. So, so mate, let's, let's lead into that. So let, let's tell us the, in 10 minutes or less, you got a minute for every year, um, maybe even less, because I'd like you to tell us, how did you even get into this? So just tell us, the, give us a background on who Nathaniel Bibby is and, and how you ended up having this business and for 10 years now.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I guess uh, the seed was planted when I went to see Anthony Robbins um, and Alicia Power Within. Um, and he said to me, in life, you either need inspiration or desperation to move forward. And um, I, I, I got desperation when I started my business. I was $20,000 in debt. Um, I just quit my job. I was getting evicted from my apartment. And, and it was actually, I just had the electricity cut out as well because I couldn't pay the electricity bill. Um <laughs> And I, like, you know, in sales, hadn't been paid in three months. And, um, you know, what was going through my head is get a new sales job. It's going to take a few months before I get, you know, enough commission up to be able to work my way out of this financial trouble. That's not going to work. Called my mother. She said, no, I won't help you. Called my dad, same answer. And so, like, I, was st- I stayed up all night and I was just like, what am I going to do to get out of this financial trouble? And the only solution I could find was to literally go into business. And so the next day I started my company. Um, In the first day, I managed to get a meeting with a real estate agency's office and I I convinced um, it was six of their agents out of 12 to give me $2,500 on the spot. So I made $15,000 by 6pm, my first day in business. And that's how how we started. (laughs) What what were they paying you to do? Um, So I sold them a one-page website. A yep. Facebook page and a LinkedIn profile. Cause all I did is I just went on the Google, searched their names and I was like, you guys aren't controlling the search results. If we get you a one-page website yep. and if your name is John Smith, you'll get johnsmith.com.au, a Facebook profile and a LinkedIn profile, all of a sudden you'll show up. And yeah. it was a no-brainer to them, you know. Um, and, and so I started just doing all digital marketing stuff. That's what I was good at. That's what I had experience in. Um, and then I got to a um, business coach was organizing an event he said, Nathaniel, organize, if you can um, invite your contacts, I'll give you a plug at the end. And I said, well, instead of saying Nathaniel's a digital marketer, why don't you just say I'm a LinkedIn trainer? This is, you, know, you know, I do the LinkedIn training stuff as well. I get a lot of leads through LinkedIn. Yep. Um, and we'll just see what the response is like. And after, he said, I like to thank my sponsors, one of which is Nathaniel. He's a LinkedIn expert. If you need help with your LinkedIn profile, go speak to him afterwards. And out of 100 people that were in the room, like 60 of them were just surrounding me afterwards going, oh, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't know how to use it. How do, you, how do you set up your profile? Should I connect with this person? All these questions. Mm-hmm. And... You know, um, the, the business coach came over to me. David Guest, his name is in Melbourne, and, and being a business coach, he said, "Nathaniel, the market is telling you what it wants," and that's when I decided to specialise in LinkedIn marketing. Yeah. Um, and 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 we started offering LinkedIn marketing services to clients, which really didn't exist before. Um, and then you can imagine, like by having the experience working for different businesses, serving different industries in LinkedIn marketing, you actually get way more experience and feedback, so you become a better LinkedIn trainer. Yep. I think that's what's missing with a lot of the LinkedIn trainers that are out there. They yeah, they, they know how to use LinkedIn well for their own business, but do they have experience across all these different industries um to, to um be able to optimize conversion rates, all that kind of stuff? It is a completely different ball game, um, as you'd know. So yeah, that yeah. experience experience has really served me well. And then the industry started to first of all take notice of LinkedIn. Um, you know, six hundred and sixty-odd million members now. Um, growing at two members a second, and so then they started to offer awards in that area. Luckily, I was fortunate enough to win for um, the campaign that I started, LinkedIn Heroes, um, which has been fantastic. You know, for networking and stuff, that's been another big breakthrough in my business. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't anticipate, you know, 10 years ago that I'd still be specialising in LinkedIn marketing. But here we are today, and it's you know stronger than ever, more popular than ever, and there's more demand for for what I do than than ever before. So. You know as long as the linkedin wave continues this is where we're going to be
0: yeah and i think it's it's really uh, an important um differentiation is that you're a business person who can you know do linkedin marketing and training for people not a linkedin marketer or trainer that mm. has a business that's right but because you, you know you're doing this for yourself um and uh you know and, and i think that's really important like, you know and long gone are the days where you know, the cobbler's children can have the worst shoes, the mechanic can drive the worst car, the, you know, that, you know, you, you have to be a product of your product. You have to be utilizing your tools, improving yourself as a practitioner, um, not just one of those who teaches. And, you know, and, and I think that's really important uh, differentiation, which obviously starts to show up in all the results and the the awards and recognitions that you've received, uh, you know, in, in doing that, which I think is is really uh Kudos to you for the, the hard work. And it's interesting. Here we are 10 years. And, and uh, I just did, uh, we had Michael Lane from Success Resources on the podcast yeah. just previously. And he was talking about his sort of 10-year journey. And, you know, we've all heard these things about the 10 years and how long. And um, But it's interesting what you said when Tony Robbins, now when Tony Robbins told you about it, it was either inspiration or desperation, did he say that to you directly? Or was you in the, uh, and he said it to the audience, but you heard I was down the back.
1: You know, there was probably seven or eight thousand people there, and yeah. I was down the back. Too scared to like be towards the front because you, mm. it gets everyone up and dance. And yeah. you know, I've been to I've been to eight or nine Tony Robbins events since, yeah. and now you'll see me. I'm down the front dancing with everyone. Uh, but yeah. I was I was very nervous and shy. And yeah. is it, 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 all these stories that come up? But like when I went to Tony Robbins, I I had to use two credit cards and the change in my pocket to pay for the taxi. So the yeah. first day there. I didn't eat anything for the whole day. Um, If you've ever been on the first day of Alicia Power Within at midnight, he gets everyone outside to walk across hot coals. So I I left there like two in the morning with my feet burnt, hadn't eaten anything all day (laughs) with a completely new outlook on life. I mean, it wasn't just that statement. He changed my uh, limiting beliefs around money, a lot of different things. And um, uh, uh, it was Date With Destiny, another Tony Robbins event, where he did say something directly to me and he said... That there's only one thing that trumps fear and that's massive action. Um, and I was like, well, what, what am I really afraid of? I mean, what, you know, in these days, this day age, yeah. um, and age. And the reality is like, I've always been scared of heights, right? So um, if you asked me to do a skydive, I would just say, look, you know, that, that seems like a pointless exercise. What's the point of doing that? You know, I don't like heights. What am mm-hmm. I going to do? Jump out of a plane, land on the, on the earth. What's going to be the difference? But when he said that to me, I thought, I'll challenge myself. So I jumped out of an airplane the next morning. Yeah, and it was it was a huge um, breakthrough for me because it was like when I landed on that beach, I really felt in my body. And I don't know if anyone else has experienced this. Like, yeah. I guess we say it a lot, but I felt like anything was possible. Like I could yeah. do anything. If I could do that, I could pretty much do anything. And and I, you know, I still am afraid of heights,
0: but I know that I can conquer it if I need to. Yeah, and then you know what I I did a skydiving. Um, I've been back 2011, 12 from 14,000 feet. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of heights, um, but like skydiving, mate. I just it was something I always wanted to do. It was a fundraiser and my niece uh, at uh, diabetes. It was a fundraiser for diabetes, so I wanted to raise money to support her. Um, so I did it. I jumped, made 14,000 feet. The, you know, it was. I've never felt more alive facing a fear like that, facing death. I never felt more alive. Um, the, the free, I mean, the, that free fall. When I mean, you popped the chute, it was fine. It was all like, eh, it's all floating. But the, that free fall, that when you're supermaning it down, and I actually had my Superman belt buckle mm-hmm. on the lawn and everything, and it was, uh, it was great photos went there. The, 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 got the, the <laughs> It was, uh, but it was, it, it does. You just when you face the fear, and I know Will Smith did. I think for his 40th or 50th birthday, he did a thing about going skydiving and doing all that, and and he talks a lot about that. Uh, you know that when you push through the fear. that's where the greatness is on the other side of fear
1: right yeah yeah and i think Um, i think you have to as an entrepreneur like mm -hmm. you have to get used to being comfortable in these challenging situations yeah um because you know as as we all know when we get emotional especially when fear comes into it we start to make bad decisions and it's when the shit's all happening that you need to be centered and be able to make logical non-emotional decisions and i think we do that all the time in business
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you do you have any ritual or routine you do to center yourself when you are feeling that building up? Do you like? I mean, some some people meditate. Some people just go for a walk. Some people, um, you know, light a candle. Whatever. Do you do anything or?
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's all about changing your state. Um, You know, another thing I learned from Tony Robbins, and whether that's going for a walk, um, putting on some some music. um, You know, just getting out of this this head where you focus on all the problems and. I think also like having a, some sort of practice, and I do this daily, where you, you consciously be grateful for what you have rather than what's missing, mm. it puts you in a much more resourceful state. Because I mean, if you compare, compare the life we live, even when all the shit is happening to the majority of people in the world, we're still very lucky. We're still very fortunate. Um, we've got a lot to be grateful for, a lot we take for granted. And, and I don't think that changes whether you've got you know a billion dollars in the bank or nothing um you could be the richest man in the world financially but be miserable and you could be mm-hmm. completely broke but if you share what you have and you're happy um then then I, I view it as you're rich you might not be financially rich but you know you're living a rich life
0: yeah no, no, no. i think uh, it was gary Vee who said you know you can either be smiling in your camry or crying in your ferrari it's you know <laughs> the, the choice is yours he said i'd rather be smiling in my camry i don't need you know and i know we'll, we'll talk about it later but you you interviewed uh Greg Cardone and Elena Cardone, but the um, he drove around in a Toyota Camry, I believe, for a very, very long time. Even oh, really? He had all the money to yeah, he had all the money in the world to buy whatever he wanted. I do he bought his uh, that his his Phantom or whatever it was that he ended up getting. But uh, yeah, he drove around yeah. in a cruddy little car. Actually, one of my clients back in Canada, uh, Walton Electrical, Craig Walton, he he was very successful businessman uh everything like that and it was the same thing that he he used to drive around in a just a normal old car and it was actually his team got to the stage of telling him why don't you buy the mercedes you've always wanted you can afford it and it was like because he didn't want to make it look like you know he was he was a very humble guy about it but and his team actually made him you know and they finally got the mercedes convertible that he always wanted and and so on but it was uh you know, That's it's, interesting with Grant yeah. Cardone
1: because I, yeah. I I was I was thinking uh, he would be caught dead in a in a Camry, but you know obviously like he's he, you know he, he's uh, he's been through a lot. Like I mean, and he's you know now he's got this big jet which he posts about a lot and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I questioned him a lot about it. I was like, he thought he thought I had a bit of an issue with it. He was like, he's like, what's your do what's your issue with the jet, man? And like, uh, and, and I am just seeing him posting on social media a lot about this stuff, and I thought there must be an angle here, you know? Yeah. Um, but. But he got his breakthrough in social media. He did this video on YouTube where, yeah, he was showing off his jet and his cars and he, it was, um, he was calling out rappers and ballplayers yeah. um, and that, that YouTube video went viral. So I think like a lot of his social media success been capturing attention, but then when he's got that attention, then mm-hmm. he starts educating. And he said, you know, like he bought all that stuff with positive cash flow from real estate investments. So you can't yeah. do that if you're, if you're spending all your money that um, you earn on uh, you know all this superficial stuff, and I think you know, like Gary V talks about this a lot. I do. I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk's. Um, you know about insecurities and how that how that manifests on social media and how it's it's really exposing a lot of us. Um, and I think that if if you if you do care a lot lot about what other people think, and we all do to some extent, to be honest, but um, it's it's really gotten to a level now where it's higher higher than ever. It will hold you back in your business because the thing is like. If you care more about uh, looking like you make money than you do actually making money, you're actually never going to get anywhere because it'll yeah. just you back. those, those two—they um, they, won't—you
0: um, can't achieve both of those objectives at once. No, and, it, and it's quite fascinating. I think going forward into the world today, especially post-COVID or pandemic, or if we're still in the eye of the storm or wherever we are in relation to it all, is. Um, uh, you know, there was a lot of really people who were great marketers. They were all style but no substance and they couldn't really back up and they burnt a lot of people in that. And I think going forward, I mean, uh, you know, people are getting a little bit more savvy about stuff, but this whole concept of authenticity and vulnerability and being open and transparent about, you know, you know, instead of me taking a picture leaning up against the, uh, the Ferrari and some beautiful woman walking past me going, I can show you how to get all this and people mm. assuming that I have it. And I'm just leaning mm. on somebody else's car, you know, yeah. and the, and these um, false prophets and success gurus who are really not successful, but trying to become successful by pretending that they are, mm. yeah. um, I, I don't think that's going to fly going forward in the world. I mean, there's still, the people going to try it. Don't get me wrong, but I think people are getting smarter to it. And, you know, people are looking more for results and impact and, you know, show me what you've done. Yeah, there's so much power and vulnerability. Like, especially mm. these days, if
1: you're starting a business with no money, like social media has given us the opportunity to be able to um, reach hundreds of thousands of people. But you, you literally can't do it without either spending a lot of money or being vulnerable and being honest. You know, and mm. I've, I've always had the most success with my social media content when I've been completely vulnerable, told people about the failures, about the drawbacks, about my weaknesses um than i have talking about my strengths and, and don't get me wrong like i think that um you don't just get on social media and whine about your life like no, no. If i learned i learned something from my my failures and my pitfalls and i think that that's how we grow i don't think there's any entrepreneur that got into the game and he just started winning you know no, no.
0: Um, and if they did they probably lost it all fairly quickly afterwards too because they didn't uh, learn a few of the things along the way the, and it's quite fascinating because Michael Lane and I were talking about this uh, in in his interview, and he was talking about like you know the failures and, and and it's like all the Gary V's you know the even you know uh, Richard Branson, all, Tony Robbins all tell you the same thing you know fail often and fail fast because mm. that's how we learn from making mistakes and failing. Um, and it's the only ones we don't learn from are the ones right. So you didn't get to be who you are, be where you are in ten years without making any mistakes, Nathaniel, right? So. Yeah. Right? So going forward in the next 10 years, what makes you think that, no, know, you don't, but that we could do all this without having to make a mistake going forward. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you know, you're going to have to continue to make mistakes and push the edge and, you know, and find it where it is and try and fail and do all these sorts of things to learn, because that's how you got to be who you are today. And it's the same process that you're going to need to use to be who you need to be tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and, and that's and that's what being an entrepreneur, this is why I love love it so yeah. much. And this is what it's taught me is it's changed my relationship with failure. You know, yeah. there's so many people in the world that don't try doing stuff because they're worried about what their friends and family are going to say when it goes wrong. Because, I mean, inevitably, like something will go wrong. Um, and, and I experienced that, you know, like when I started my company, to be honest, for the first six months, I didn't really speak to m- many of my family members um, because they just thought like, I was going to fail or, you know, if something goes wrong, oh, Nathaniel shouldn't have done that. I'm like, what do you mean? I just learned another way not to do it. Um, And it was very emotional for me. But when you're winning, they're like, oh, I'm glad that went well. You know, oh, he's so lucky. He's so lucky. But I think that um, as an employee, me personally, when I was working for other people, I didn't get that, like nothing was pushing me to change my relationship with failure. Because even as a kid growing up, like if I came home and I failed something, it's like, oh, you know, that sucks or you know. You'll be okay. Rather than celebrating the failure and going, you know, you found another way not to do something. Uh, I think that's awesome. Like the, the lady that um, started spank, she was saying Spanx, you know, the, the yeah, yeah. Um, tights that women wear. Yeah. To, so like she, she uh, said that her dad used to say to her at the end of each week and, um, and her siblings, what have you failed at this week? And then they'd celebrate it. And so they would always come to, you know, dinner with their dad Uh, with something they failed at because they would celebrate. And so they always learned that like um, losing was not actually not being able to do something. It was actually not trying because then you don't get to to say that you failed at something. And I think that's so important, like to change the relationship that we have with failure. And for me, like I wouldn't have got that unless I
0: started in my entrepreneurial journey. I'm so, so glad I did. You know, that's, um, uh, you know, and that's such an important lesson for people who are listening to this to understand it's, is to have a healthy relationship with failure and then mm. and to celebrate it and see it as is a, a, a great thing you know, yeah um you know you can look at uh, back to thomas edison right and the light bulb whether it's thousand ten thousand depends on who's whose interpretation of the quote you want to read but you know it, it, certainly finding so many thousands of ways it won't work until mm. they found the one way it did work yeah, but yeah. and, are, and it people,
1: fires you up <laughs> yeah if like Michael Jordan got booted out of his basketball team when yeah. he was a kid because he didn't work hard enough and you know you look at his career if you've seen the last dance on Netflix one of the hardest working sportsmen in history
0: yeah. was you know legend yeah and actually um I had the privilege to interview JJ, JJ Burden um well probably three four weeks ago now um who was a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, back in the uh, 90s, and he caught passes from Joe Montana, and uh, which was really cool as a Canadian. Uh, love my NFL. <laughs> the, um, but you know he was a five foot ten, 160 pound wide receiver, when the average height in the NFL was six foot two, 245 pounds. You know, and, uh, it, and so it was his willingness to do it. He he didn't get through the first time. He was a track guy, and just wanted to end up playing in the NFL, and uh, he had to keep going and failing, going and failing. Uh, one of my best buddies back in Canada, Darren Shannon, he he was an NHL hockey player for 10 years, which is a uh, average lifespan of a hockey player is about three years. And uh, he was the same thing. He, he, he didn't make it through the, the first pick of juniors, didn't make it through, went back again, went back again. And uh, what his lesson was that I've always reminded me, and I've seen it numerous times since, is that um, hard work will beat talent every time when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah, absolutely. Think I think I, on the laurels of being really good at something. And i rested on my laurels numerous times in my life. Because I'm fairly do, you think, do you think there's a lot of similarities between business and sports? Oh, 100%. I, I, you know what? The uh, funny thing is, I think people put, if we took more of what we do in sports into business, I think business would be even more successful. Hmm. Because if you look at, um, and not just because, you know, sports have become a business, but like as a golfer, I'm, I'm a bit of a golf nut. I'll spend time at the driving range practicing, putting before I go play around a round of golf. Um, but will I practice? Which I do, but like I would challenge like a lot of business clients I have are golfers, for example, um, or they'll do weight training and do stuff if they're cyclists, they'll do whatever. They'll do all this training for that sport or whatever they're passionate about. But what was the last time you did something training before a big meeting? Did you prepare yourself? Did you? to the driving range of sales calls did you go to the driving range of leadership meetings did you go to the gym of whatever before you did that and you know and even uh, most champions will tell you that you know that it's one in the off season right mm. um you know so it's what they do in the off season that that determines how well they play or perform in the on season and Absolutely. even like jordan in the last dance man, it's so cool right because when they finally won that championship the very first one the bulls won I took a screenshot of it. That's when Michael and Phil Jackson are hugging and he said, mm. you did it right. Mm. Did it the right way. <laughs> because Michael Jordan was winning all the individual things, but when he started realizing he had a team to support and work with him and he started feeding the team, mm. that's when they got the championships. So yeah. we, do we do that in, in business, mate? I, I don't know. Big I, I, lesson there. Big lesson yeah. there. Yeah. So you, you, do you have a team working with you, Matt, or are you...
1: Yeah, look, I have a very nimble team. Um, There's, uh, there's, and now currently only one other person involved in the company. Um, So I guess uh, I thought my goal was to have the biggest LinkedIn marketing agency in the world. Um, And (laughs) one year into the business, I had nine people working for me. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually lucky to have survived that year um, because it very quickly imploded once cash flow. Stopped, like I, I mean, not stops. But you know, you you can't pay if you can't pay one salary for one month. Yeah, it just it, it just slowly starts to implode. Everyone starts like worrying about their job. Um, you know, and and like we had a really really motivated team, but it just imploded. Like one by one, I had to, I started losing people down, so I was down to one person. Um, and I learned my lesson. You know, and I'm so thankful that we made it through that period. But um, you you got to be careful not to grow too fast. And um. Now, we sit at the end of the market, which is like very much like uh, we look after corporates, very boutique firm. There's a lot of leads that come through that we say no to. Um, and and there's a lot of LinkedIn marketers now that have come into the market and people always say to me, oh, there's so much competition. How do you deal with it all? But I, I really just see them all at the other end of the market. They're all looking after small business owners, which is not yep. where I sit anymore. Um, so... I have a very nimble team. Um, we're not cheap, but we do deliver the best results and, and you know, track records show that. And yeah. I, think, I think that um, there's a huge need at that end of the market. You know, the big, bigger companies, um, you can have a much bigger impact at that end. And then also I've utilized technology. A lot of my business, um, the systems that we've set up allow me to be able to run a company with one person helping me. Um, rather than, I mean, literally like revenue, uh, in, I think it was Je- December last year, uh, we did more revenue than we did when we had nine people and it was one person working for me. It was amazing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I'd say it, uh, uh, I ask as, as I'm expanding circle leadership right now, we just brought on two new accountability coaches, things like that, but I'm building an ecosystem. So to me, uh, like the future of work and future of leadership and, and organizational structures, um, and especially if COVID's taught us anything in here, the ability for people to work from home. So that should tell you, you can actually have, if you can have some of your people work from home, um, then you can source people anywhere in the world to work with you, to build whatever you're building, whether they're an employee, subcontractor, gigger, doesn't matter, but you can build a team to service your clients. And like, how cool is that to evolve your business with the ability, that much flexibility um, and fluidity to expand and contract um yeah. market with the flow so we don't have nine because this is what happens right so this is um uh you know we get nine employees you got to keep being able to produce enough work to pay for those nine because you've got that that investment in them uh, mm-hmm. and then like well hang on then that comes and if the, if the market shifts or pivots and things like that then yeah i mean i I was lucky to last as long as i did i was literally like hiring
1: people and then the last week of the month i would just be like oh shit we haven't got enough money to pay the bills i'd go out on the sales road and just sell 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 i'd be absolutely exhausted at the end of every month (laughs) and then one month obviously we didn't didn't make ends meet but like i think you know what you're saying about the global marketplace we're already competing in a global marketplace We, we have to be able to to find resources in the global marketplace as well um you know, everyone is a potential customer.
0: You've got to be thinking a lot bigger than just where you live and, and the country that you're in these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. Actually, uh, Dr. Glenn Richards was talking about that. He's, he's and all the, uh, from Shark Tank and all the things, all the businesses that he's involved in. He's saying this is global. You, you have to have a global mindset. Mm. You know, you can, you know, um, be local, but thinking that global, I guess, is, is the way to look at it, Right. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: I've spent a lot of time in Asia as well, and like, I, I think Australia is is a little bit more closed off to the rest of the world than than like you live in Asia. Like, they're it's very odd, very rare that you find a company in Hong Kong that's just thinking about the Hong Kong market. Um, yeah. the, the the whole world is a lot more international in in the business sense, I think, than Australia is used to. Um, and so, look, we sell a lot to pe- businesses in America and Canada now. Um, yeah. You know, which, which didn't used to happen as much, but they're very comfortable doing business with us, um, with Australian companies, that is. Um, and uh, we're actually a lot cheaper than, than what they,
0: you know, services they can get in America. They find us very cost effective. Um, oh, yeah, in absolutely. Lot- with the exchange rate and everything too, what you would charge in Aussie dollars, it would be, you know, 1.7 times that in the States. Mm. Um, and, but that is still way cheaper in their mind because it's, it's only like 80 cents or there's, you know, 60 or 70 cents in their dollar to, and they get the same equivalent service. Uh, but once again, that's the opportunity in the world here, you know, and I think that's the fascinating part, Mm. uh, in a global economy with a global gig economy to be able to source the best talent in the world to source clients. I think right now the the whole market has swung in favor of, uh, businesses like yours and or mine where. Uh, whereas online services like this may have been perceived as B-grade. Yep. But now it's A-grade for everybody. Yeah. We absolutely. realize, that, hey, how cool is this to be able to communicate over these sort of platforms and do business like this? I mean, I've, through COVID, I've facilitated all my clients online. My process was already pretty much an, an online process anyway that I have with them. But the monthly and the quarterly and even the strategic and culture work I do with them, we all did it in Zoom and breakout rooms and various other things, so it was able to Maintain business continuity without skipping a beat. Five five years ago, there were still business owners, very successful business
1: owners, telling me social media wouldn't last and it's a fad and it's stupid. And like, I can just imagine where they would be at the moment. Like, it's
0: completely changed the way that business is viewed, social media completely. It's really fast tracked everything. I think most of those businesses that don't think that social media would last are the businesses that won't last. Um, Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. um, so but what, what, are you, what are your plans going forward next 10 years? What are you thinking uh, in terms of BB Consulting yeah. Group? Do you, do you know what's really interesting and exciting for me at the moment? And I
1: guess this is part of, part of um, the journey. But mm. in the last year, my YouTube has gone bananas. Like it's, it's something which I've always done. I did it before I even started LinkedIn marketing and for like... The first five, six years, I was literally posting videos and we get two or three views. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And, and like in the last month, we've got like 130,000 views on, on the channel. Wow. Um, one of my videos has got over 110,000 views, um, which is phenomenal. And, and you know, the, the biggest markets, India, then America. And so, like, it's all this international traffic coming to YouTube. I, I am looking forward to doing my first YouTube keynote to business owners and explaining how how it all works and because you don't really I didn't really know how it worked until I had some success with it. And then yeah. you know, a lot of the guys that talk about it are, are gamers and um uh guys that have got these, you know, gags and stuff like that. There's not many business guys that have really taken YouTube by the horn. So I, I think you're gonna see a bit more from me in that area. Um, I definitely wanna do more speaking, more events um at linkedin i don't see it slowing down to be honest like i really don't um it's got a hold on the business to business market I'm, i've haven't seen um better results in the whole time i've been doing it in, that we can achieve on linkedin their advertising is getting better um businesses are just are starting to realize it um you know facebook is the organic reach is is not as strong which makes it less appealing to the to the majority um mm. I just think this, I just don't see any other competitors coming at, out um, to compete with LinkedIn. Um, Microsoft have over a billion users that they're slowly tapping into to bring over to LinkedIn. They've only got 660 million on LinkedIn or whatever it is, yeah. something like that. Um, so I just don't see it slowing down. Um, they seem to be, the leadership team seem to be really on the money with everything they've introduced. We've just got uh, LinkedIn stories in Australia, yeah. which um, you know, I've been experimenting with. Well, they've only introduced it in the UAE and Brazil and Australia. Um, and so, you know, now when I post on stories, maybe I get a hundred, 150 views, which might not seem like a lot, but when you, uh, when you take into account that majority of the world haven't got it yet, when they have got it, um, I imagine it would be
0: like the same as when Instagram first introduced stories and you know, you get
1: three four thousand views easy.
0: Yeah. But this is also important thing for people to understand that when, when LinkedIn or any platform introduces a new offering or service. That you need to jump on that quickly and do that because that, that's the thing that they'll get more promotion and that because that, that's their new service. So they want the more people use it, the more exciting it becomes, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you don't exactly. jump on to it until later, then you can be left behind a little bit. And one of the things though, that frustrates I me, mean, while we have the LinkedIn Australia, the, the award-winning LinkedIn guy on, <laughs> on the podcast here, LinkedIn's advertising platform is just ordinary. But, <laughs> but and I say that because it, I've tried to spend. But also, part of it says to me that a lot of people on LinkedIn don't like ads. Or, well, you know, the the whole concept of ads, it's not what LinkedIn's about. Whereas Facebook, you know, it's kind of we accept that as part of the platform and these sponsored ads and stuff. But like, even for me as a um, a business professional on LinkedIn, you know, these ads that come up, I'm like, it's not, this isn't the place for it. It'd be like walking through a networking event, carrying a big banner going, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And you would do that at a networking event, but you would do it in a world's online shopping mall, which would be Facebook. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it, it's, it's evolving, like there's a lot of content
1: that you may not think thinks ads that are showing up on LinkedIn. Like there's a lot of, like Simon Sinek has yeah. nailed LinkedIn advertising. Like he's got a company page that looks like a personal profile. His content, his, his personal content, he's sponsoring to the max. Like, and, and the website retargeting is a big deal, Dave. Like you, you think about it, right? You, anyone that visits your website, who's got LinkedIn, they've got the cookie dropped in their browser. Like, you know exactly who's looking at at your website. I mean, if it's using it as like a um, multi-channel approach. If you've got Google AdWords driving people to your website, you're finding out who they are on LinkedIn. You're finding out who they are on Facebook. Um, And I think it's slowly going to evolve. I would not be surprised if sometime in the next couple of years, you can sponsor posts from a personal profile. I mean, that's a big call, but I just think that, it it would transform LinkedIn's revenue stream for starters. I mean, it's a public company. Um, The board of directors would have to jump at an idea like that, I think. And it's not like, you know, the other social media platforms where, yeah, okay, I understand that an individual's personal profile on Facebook, they wouldn't necessarily sponsor a post, Mm. but, but why not on LinkedIn? It's a, it's a professional platform. It, it, you know, I'd love to be able to push my content harder um, by sponsoring stuff on a personal profile. And then what they've done is on a company page, you don't get as much reach because they want you to sponsor stuff. So Simon Sinek, another, like I'm just going to mention him again, because what I think he's done is he's taken, he's made a personal profile, a company page, and then he's posting through that and amplifying the content. I, I think that's a really good approach. So he doesn't have a personal page then? He just uses the company page? Well, that's, they look exactly the same. So when you look, when, if you see his content pop up and, and then you click through on his name, it's interesting because you quite often end up at a company page rather than his personal profile. Um, he's
0: sponsoring it to amplify it all. Yeah. Interesting. I might have to say that As I have a Dave Claire page, I also have circle leadership. Plus I have my own personal profile. yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's quite interesting. Right. So when you think about, um, here in West Australia, being we're both here in WA, one thing that I found and I was pretty prevalent probably across all of Australia but there was this really big growth mindset going on. Like, everyone, yeah, well, grow your business, grow, 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 grow. Um, the problem with the growth mindset is that sometimes you can grow into obscurity or irrelevance. Um, yeah. So basically you focus on growth. Um, like you said, you know, I want to grow and have the biggest, whatever, LinkedIn marketing agency in all the world, which is great. But there's a big <laughs> difference between growing your business and evolving your business um, yeah. as much as there is individually. You know, give us your perspective on the difference between growth and evolution or evolving.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like I've always um, focused on growth. This year, I, I'm actually not. I'm 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 uh, putting my head down. I'm not looking at the numbers so much, and I'm just focusing on creating and um, evolving the quality of my the service offering that we've got yes. um, and building the brand. So I think that evolving. I mean, it doesn't have to be business growth, you know, whatsoever. No. Um, you know, and I think that um, you kind of have to, and the you know, when things are changing as much as they are at the moment, uh, you have to innovate and and look at what you're offering and going, is this really serving the market? Is this the most value I can provide? Or can I can I do things better? And quite often, like, you can you can become a lot more profitable without growing if you look at innovation and evolving your business. Um, and so I look, look at things like that. And I always look at opportunities to learn as well. It's like, where, where am I going to get the most growth? Like the LinkedIn Hero series that I was that's the campaign i won the award for last year yeah. um, you know what i did not anticipate is i thought oh yeah well, i'll tap into all these other markets i'll get to meet these cool business dudes but the amount that i learned from it is really phenomenal like that that interview that i had with grant cardone i learned more in 20 minutes than i did you know spending a weekend with him in one of his courses it's, yeah. it's crazy it's crazy you know i mean he gave me some really good advice on my social media which has done wonders for me but like where else you're gonna get the opportunity to find that sort of stuff out so i'm always looking for ways to 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 learn more and, and to be able to give more add more value and i think that's really in social media like if you can add the most value that's that's how you win at the game of social media i think where the the business side of it comes in and where a lot of people get confused is how do you translate that into return on investment, which is, is, a, is another skill together Because if you get those two mixed up, adding value and extracting value, you can,
0: you can sort of um, shoot yourself in the foot sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I no, think that's, uh, um, so, and it's really important. So, you're, this whole evolution you're going through right now is critical. And I think, you know, if it wasn't critical pre-COVID, it definitely is now during or post-COVID did we don't continue to evolve to stay relevant in the hearts and minds of people we choose to serve, Um, you know, somebody else or something else is going to come along and innovate or disrupt or do whatever um, and and serve those people because you're not evolving. You can grow, but if evolution doesn't become the natural state of your business or organization or even yourself, as a species, we've always evolved, right? It's it's not the fastest, the strongest, the fittest, or the smartest that survives. It's the one that's most able to adapt to their ever-changing environment that does. In life yeah. and as individuals, and in business. So even in your organization, if you're not evolving, um, then your business won't. And if your business isn't evolving, then you become irrelevant. I mean, that's yeah. just it's just a fact now. So when you think about yourself, what 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 was the biggest personal evolution that you've gone through yourself as a leader or just even a, as a business person, your own personal evolution? Yeah. Uh, look, starting the company was the big one.
1: Like, I mean, yeah. I you know, yeah. I mean, that was, that was something that, you know, I, I definitely, that was a challenging period that I did on, on my own. And then going through that imploding at the, at the first year of business as well, where I had to lose people, you know, my business mentor at the time, he said to me, he said, Nathaniel, you've got to get rid of, you know, this person, you've got to get rid of this person. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, you have not got the cash flow to support them. And I was like, I can't fire somebody you know of something that i haven't done you know not that they haven't done and it was a big mistake because it just you got you've got responsibility to a lot more than one person um and so that was a that was a huge learning curve for me as well um and then i have to say like i have to say that um interviewing grant cardone was a big one for me like i michael lane will know the story because like i was hammering him for months to try and get that interview yeah and he he'll probably laugh but um, you know, he posted on LinkedIn saying that, you know, so many people can interview him, um, send you your application. So I sent him my application. I'm not getting a response. So I'm tagging Michael in every post I'm doing. I'm tagging Grant Cardone. Um, and I'm thinking I'm not getting any, not getting anywhere here. I've emailed Michael so many times and like he's only going to reply, you know, a couple of times, isn't he? Um, and then I, got, I thought, oh, I've got to think outside the box here. How am how can I going to get this? Because it was a big thing for me. Like I just, I knew that, you know, getting the Grant Cardone interview was going to, Put me on a platform where I can, where I can approach you know a lot more people mm. that have come over from the US, and so I thought, I wonder if Elena Cardone's coming because she's only just started her YouTube channel, she's only just started posting content. So yeah. I get onto Instagram and I, I message Elena and say, hey, I didn't mention anything about Grant. I said, Elena, um, are you coming to Australia? Because I'd love to interview for LinkedIn Heroes. Um, and then her assistant gets back to me and goes, yeah, Elena's going to be in Sydney. We'd love to do the interview. Um, and I was like, well, look, I'm not in Sydney. So, you know, I'll come if you give me an interview with Grant Cardone as well. And so you just picture Elena going, honey. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and you then but they an interview for me. <laughs> exactly. But they call, they, I just got back from Sydney for another reason. And they call me and they say, look, Grant can do the uh, interview tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. So I get on a flight at 7 a.m. the next day and then I get to the airport. They're like, didn't you hear, Mr. Bibby? the flight's been cancelled? And like, this customer service line, they said they couldn't get me on a flight till 5.30. Cut a long story short, I managed to get to Adelaide and then I had to run 10 minutes to the gate to get to Sydney. Like, it was a a full-on mission getting this interview in the first place. Um, And then, you know, I asked Grant to become a client during the interview. (laughs) It's like, I was like, I've got to get more value out of this, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh-oh. The biggest decisions you can make, sorry? Oh, just sorry, but just signal just cut out for a second there, so. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Look, yeah. One of, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I have for anyone listening that's like a business owner or entrepreneur is like who you surround yourself with, the, the people that you hang out with are going to have a massive impact on who you become. And so yeah. like do, doing things like this and interviewing people is a great
0: way to, to expand your peer group.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and you know, it's funny like because I remember you shared that Grant Cardone story I think I'd even been on one of your other podcast episodes I watched. That. I thought that's really cool because, um, here's my Instagram.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey. Yeah.
0: So 2000 and uh, what was that? 2016 he put a post up on Instagram. Um, wondering why cause he was only had like a hundred and something thousand followers or something on his Instagram. Oh, yeah. Like if, you know, if anyone out there can give me some help or advice on how to increase that. So I just sent him a message called, yeah. him, and, uh, that's sort of, sort where of Instagram said, Hey, look, you know what, you know, I only had like a thousand followers or something on my Instagram at the time. I said, I've only just started doing this. I, I've learned something that I, I'm happy to share with you. I've gone from like 200 followers to a thousand followers in the last three months. Yeah. Um, so that w- what I'm doing is working. Whilst you're at 195,000, the process will still work for you. Would you be interested? And then Katie from his office at the time, she sent me a message said, yeah, no worries. And so we set up a Skype call he said, you have eight minutes. 21 minutes later, we'd uh, had this big chat about everything, and, and uh, he did it. And then, yeah, his, so back in 2016, I take a little bit of credit for saying, Oh, oh really? Wow. Uncle oh, awesome. G, take his Instagram. He called this IT guy in, and we we're having a chat, and he's like, Oh, just hang on a second, and he's calling somebody over, and then like come over. <laughs> yeah. It, and awesome. anyway, it was, it was quite funny. Uh, and so I've reached out to him to get him on this podcast. Uh, to find out, because I, I find him a fascinating character, and I you don't know, when you, because yeah. uh, like, he does do controversial things to get attention, and then, yep. you know, like even just recently with the whole um, declaring bankruptcy kind of a thing, which he posted, I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't, uh, no. There was a viral video going around of him talking to Jared, and it was on Instagram, it was in uh, sorry, Instagram Live, and oh, uh, yeah. they're clearing the jet, they're getting rid of everything, there's <laughs> a bankruptcy yeah. thing going on, but he just its exactly uh, the sort of thing you do, yeah. Yeah, follow-up for, like a week later, just saying, with all the stuff going into COVID, he had to find a way to break through the noise, um, mm. and so he did that, and it just created all this controversy. And then all of a sudden, he got all the attention back. Mm. Yeah, um, but, you know whether you agree with it or not. I'm not sure that's the best way to grab attention, but that's what Uncle G does, and that's what he, that's his brand, and that's who he is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, so from a, so from a business point of view, what's the most significant business evolution then that you've had, evolution of your own business?
1: Yeah, sure. Um,
0: look, I, I, uh,
1: like, I think that that moment when I decided to specialize in LinkedIn was a big one, um, for me, like, uh, you know, choosing a niche was very scary. A lot of, like a lot of people, like I was very new in business. So I get a lot of advice from a lot of people. And what I've found is when something's worked phenomenally well for me, it's normally a thing that 99% of people said wouldn't work. It's like. It's like LinkedIn, is that going to be enough for you? Like, is you going to have enough people? Are you going to have enough business? And I mean, I always did, but um, yeah, it was scary for me. Like people would say to me, can you do my Facebook? And I'm like, no, nope. you know, you know, there's an opportunity there to double my revenue, but yeah. nope, no, you know, and I, yeah. of course, like, of course I can, but then you can't systemize and you can't specialize. And, and I've in more recent years, I think that's become a lot clearer to me. Um, and so now I can literally sign a client up, um, put the strategy together, delegate it, and it's taken care of. And I know that they're going to get results. Um, one other thing that I have learned along the way, because it's always, it's always about the customer. The business is all about relationships, and when you get to a bigger organisation, it's about relationships with your team members. Um, but it's it's finding out what the customer values, because you know I, the first client I, the first client I did LinkedIn marketing for, um, they were running. AdWords and it was costing them an absolute fortune, a registered training organization. Um, and I generated 150 leads for them in the first month, and uh, I was you know, that's a huge amount, they're way more than they anticipated. 30 would have been enough. Um, and so at the end of the month, I go into their office and I'm like, you know, I am the man. This is the this is the greatest service ever. And they're like Nathaniel, we are blown away with how many leads that you've generated. We need to cancel. Um, a contract with you because it's going to take us six months to follow these leads up you know okay. and so and so working out what's valuable to the customer mm. right because I, all I did was I created a problem for them I, yeah. I created a good it was a good problem I guess Yeah, yeah absolutely but they're not they weren't a customer after one month right so yeah. um, from a business perspective like I had to learn that you know account management expectation management looking after the client on, you know, speak, having conversations is actually far more important than the volume of leads. Because if you're not, you, if you haven't, if you're not getting enough leads for your business and all of a sudden you have a ton of leads, yeah, most of the time businesses aren't equipped to manage no. that. Yeah. No, absolutely not.
0: And I think some of the important things to talk about there is obviously, you know, you could have done all these different services to people, but you chose, you know, to specialize and then mm. systemize. Mm. Because evolution of business, does, like an evolution of your business doesn't have to be you know, growing is doing more for, for more, but you know, if you want to like scale your business, which is doing more with less or for less or equal, um, yep. but you're talking about like, you know, specializing and systemizing, that's an evolution itself. So instead of being everything to everybody, we're just gonna be something to somebody using uh, you know, this and this is our space and niching in or whatever it is. Because there's so many yeah. people afraid to niche. So an evolution of your business could be a narrowing, not a widening, for example
1: absolutely it has to. yeah i mean this is this is my strength is, is been going narrow and yeah. like uh, th- there's a there's a uh, interesting conversation i had with a lady that works for me um who said uh you know she she deals with the leads the leads come in she'll speak to them she has qualifying questions five questions that she asks them and then she can book them into a 15-minute call with me yeah. and so she said this guy's called up and he says he knows what you do. He just wants a quote for LinkedIn lead generation. Um, he's spoken to three other companies. They've all given him quotes. He wants, just wants a quote from us. And, I, and I'm like, look, you know, he's got to follow the process. Like, you've got to ask him the five questions. You've got to book him in for the call. And then if we're a good fit, then he'll get a proposal. That's, that's the way that we do business. That's the system. And it's not, done that, it's not done that way because we're trying to be difficult. It's done that way because if If we know the information that we can get from that call and those five questions, we are able to offer a customized solution that that you know is actually going to get him the objectives rather than just going oh you want to quote you want to quote you want to quote and just handing them out to everyone um yeah. so I like the system will not fail you, and it's when t- people like come across and they want to break the system is the exact time that you want to not break it because the yeah. system's there for a reason to get the result for the client even even terms like you, you know, terms like um, that, that uh, indemnify us from like, you know, getting into legal trouble if we do something wrong, um, that's there so that we have the confidence and the freedom to be able to do what we do best. You know, it's there for the interest of the client. It's not, yeah. it's not
0: there so we can do anything wrong. Yeah. So no, I think it's good. And if uh, you ever read Atomic Habits by James Clear, it's one, one favorite quote in there is, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You only fall to the level of your systems. Hmm. You know, so we out what is it and then we put a system in place and then the system, if it's not achieving the goals, well, then we need to look at tweak the, assist, the the system because we're only going to fall to the level of that system. But I think it's really it's funny because, you know, it's kind of like a, when you were talking about, you know, everyone wanting quotes and all that, I just got this visualization of Oprah going, you get a quote, you get a quote, <laughs> everybody gets a quote. Yeah. And all, all of a sudden, you're not spending all your resources quoting everybody. Yeah. And then when you either and you don't necessarily win them all and you when you do have to do work, you don't have enough resources to do it because you're so busy quoting that you're <laughs> at chasing price or, you know, trying to, to win a price battle or price war. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. So yeah. it's, it's quite fascinating for me uh, when you think about that. So I mean, what, do you, what do you see? What's your advice to business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs? What, from your perspective, it, it could be LinkedIn related or not. But um, what do you see coming in terms of the future work, future of leadership, humanity and technology, whatever... What what do you see in the next few years? What are you seeing that you're preparing for?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of businesses are going to suffer in the next few years that if they don't adapt to what's going on in the world in terms of like technology, um, social media is huge. Like literally, if, you, if you're a business to business or you're in professional services, mm-hmm. get onto LinkedIn and understand that platform like it, it's it's where all the activity is at the moment, and you can really bootstrap a company on that platform right now. It's huge. Um, I think so many businesses are wasting time on other social platforms. Instagram's a big one. Like I love Instagram, don't get me wrong, but I'm never gonna make as much money on Instagram as I do on LinkedIn, just not in my Brooke, niche anyway. Brooke, you know. Brooke might fight you on that. Yeah, well look, it's a different business model, right? Yeah. Like a lot of our audience are business to consumer. So I, yeah. I completely understand it. Yeah. Um, and there, there are a billion users on Instagram, so you yeah. go out and, and people tell you, Instagram, 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 and like, I'm on, I'm on there, don't get me wrong, like, I, you know, I think it's a great platform, but when everybody's telling you the same stuff and everybody's using it, yeah. um, is probably when it's gonna be more competitive and more difficult to break through. Um, Whereas LinkedIn, like if whatever industry you pick, whether it's accounting, financial services, um, business to business, like, in, you know, if you're servicing mining companies, you'll probably find that your competitors aren't using LinkedIn. And it's where you can get the most organic reach. And, you know, David, I mean, you're, you're very active on LinkedIn. What are your thoughts on the topic?
0: Yeah, no, I agree fully. And, and for me, and then I challenge a lot of my clients, to, you know, to push them onto LinkedIn. Um, I believe that all business to business, business to consumer is still all human to human right? Mm. So I work on H to age. And then when you're doing that and any content that you're posting, I work on what I call E2E, which is educate to engage. So I need to make mm. sure anything I'm putting in is to educate, to engage people, not just educate. If you want mm. to like engage, you want to have that conversation. Because, you know, today we used to go from leads to have conversations, now it's conversations to have leads. So yes. how do we create more conversations? So I think leads is yes. great. But the challenge, with and because a lot of my clients that, that I serve are accountants, lawyers, Financial planners, insurance brokers, mortgage brokers, professional service firms. I said, you yeah. need, we have the same content that everybody else is sharing, but how do you stand out in all that noise? I said, you need to be able to take your sense of purpose of your organization, take that information and tell me the impact of that information. And not, not just tell me the information everybody else is telling me. So if I went to every single accounting firm where that was posting about JobKeeper, like, mm. yeah, great. Okay, everyone's telling me about here's what to do with JobKeeper. But tell me what I don't know about JobKeeper. Tell me what other people aren't telling me about JobKeeper. What yeah. uh, me around that? Like, what's the impact of JobKeeper when it's finished? What are you doing to prepare and plan for that? What are you doing here? Here's some case yeah. studies that we've had. So I, I think to me, for businesses, 100% LinkedIn is the place to go, um, that you need to be educating to engage, and that you need to be having a different voice than everybody else. Yeah. Because you know, if, if I look like, yeah, you know, um, and, and I think Michael Lane was talking about, it. he said, like, we went from the industrial age to the, um, he's calling it the expert age. And I said, well, there was the information age in between mm, We're calling yep. this information that's been thrown out at us, but now it's how do we discern or ascertain what that information is relevant and who the, who the experts are and all that noise. And it's yeah. those people who can differentiate themselves and create that voice or impact. And that's where that authenticity and the vulnerability that you're talking about exactly. has to yeah. come out. And so Absolutely. I, see that. and for me, like LinkedIn is my primary platform here's my plug to get onto LinkedIn heroes is, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and it is, and it's been, for me, it's been the best platform. I, I you know, I, I use Facebook, I have Instagram, you know, um, but I, I just don't, Instagram is more for me, personal branding and stuff like that. Facebook is a little bit in that space, um, but Instagram is the, I'm sorry, LinkedIn is the place to go from a business yeah. point of view. And I think that's only going to get bigger uh, moving forward. And I think there's just going to be, I think we're going to see a massive acceleration of features not because not, uh, people thought we we're going to see an advancement of technology and stuff. I said, no, no, all this stuff's already mapped out. We're just going to see it accelerated now. It's just going to happen faster. And then yep. while that's coming out, then they'll be working on all the next stuff. Yep. Right? Because yep. what, what this has done, of course, like all, even you know, with the Zooms and Microsoft and Web, they've all been accelerating all the cool stuff that it can do for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. and
1: that, like what you say about standing out from the crowd is, is a big one, you know, like are we, we all look different, we all are different individuals um, and then as soon as we set up a company, we tried everything, we, we build everything the same as everyone else. We all have the stock yeah. standard website, we all got the same copywriting. It's like, it's just boring. Like you've, yeah. got, to try, you've got to try and not be boring and when, when I say try, I don't mean create something that wasn't there already. Like it's, just, it's more so like focus on being authentic yeah. If you don't, if you just do that, you'll be different because we're not all the same, you know? And I, yeah. I think that that's, that's what's missing in a lot of like LinkedIn. People focus on LinkedIn could spend a fortune on promoting their company page and amalgamating content from some agency. And, and not get anywhere because it's not different. It's, it is boring. It's not the same. Yeah. It's the same as everything
0: else. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So, um, so mate, w- the last question I have for you uh, for this uh, is a random question. I have 31 questions written down here. You don't get to see what they are. You get to pick yeah. a number between 1 and 31. And yeah. then you – but the only thing is you must answer this question. Okay. Well, it's 10 years in business today, so I'll pick number 10. Okay. No, this a great one. The sixties might really tie in with your tenth anniversary. So, what will the movie of your life be called, and who would star as you?
1: Okay, well, I'll answer the second part first. It would be um, what's his name? The um, oh, you you have to help me with this. What's the what's the guy from The Hangover called? The um, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, Bradley Cooper would star me. Yeah, yeah. I I've had a few waitresses at restaurants mentioned that i look like bradley cooper when i've had longer hair yeah um and, and I've, I've held on to that
0: <laughs> so but, yeah uh, i don't blame you I, I, i've held on to what people call or say who i look like so i uh so what would the movie the question is what will the movie of your life be called and that bradley cooper would be starring as nathaniel bibby um well wouldn't Excuse me. Um, It wouldn't be called The Hangover
1: 4. It would be called, um, it would be called,
0: uh, I would call the movie Going Large. Going Large starring Bradley Cooper as Nathaniel Bibby. There you heard it ladies.
1: (laughs) Oh, there's no references there. I've just been giving life a good go, um, leaving no stone unturned, and um, yeah, being just as happy with the with the setbacks as you do the wins. I think that um, we're all on an adventure,
0: and you've got to enjoy the journey. You know, absolutely. And I think um, you know that's like going large at life, and I think that uh, you know that's that's awesome. Size does not matter, though. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. So, a couple of things just to pick up as we wrap up uh, is um, the, from inspiration or desperation, is what Tony Robbins said to you. But the, you can have either inspiration or desperation to get you to move. But I tell you what, perspiration is what keeps you going. You've got to do yeah. the work. And you've been doing the work for 10 years. So, kudos to you for having your business going through. Thank you. Um, and you know, celebrating those failures. I really appreciate that it was a powerful lesson that was shared. Um, and the importance of relationships, and you've done a really great job yourself at, you know, uh, proximity and networking, and um, you know, putting yourself in, in the right place with the right people, which has been really powerful. Uh, but I also like that uh, towards the end there, you talk about you know specializing and systemizing, and I think these are really cool lessons that people can learn. Um, you know, and you know, and obviously LinkedIn, your your expertise in LinkedIn is without question. So, but those are some of the lessons I really pulled out of what you shared with us today, mate. So thank you so much. Thank you. Nathan, Nathaniel, for, uh, for sharing with us. Where, where can people get hold of you if they want LinkedIn maybe? I don't know. Is yeah. there, uh, what's the easiest place for people to find Nathaniel Bibby? Well, uh, well or my, whole,
1: my, my, yeah. my, my whole um, social media approach is to make it easy for people to, yeah. to find me. So whatever, whatever platform you like consuming content on um, is where you'll be able to find me. Nat Bibby on Instagram, Nathaniel Bibby on LinkedIn. Um, on YouTube is where you find a lot of the, the, the content, which is longer form, a lot of my talks and, and they're now on podcast and Nathaniel Bibby podcast. So wherever
0: you like to hang out, you'll be able to find me. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much for showing up on the evolution of business, uh, show. Thank you. Uh, it's great, man. I'm looking forward to catching up with you for a, uh, quiet beverage later on. And, uh, now that at least in West Australia, we're allowed to hang out with each other, which is really cool. While the rest of the world sort of envies us. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be having a couple of quiet beverages tonight, I think. Yeah, fair enough, too. (laughs) Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.